Hello and welcome to The Download. I'm your host, Dave Richardson, and very pleased to be joined for the first time in a while. We probably should have her back more often because it's such an important topic. Melanie Adams, who is the VP and Head of Corporate Governance and Responsible Investing at RBC Global Asset Management. Melanie, uh, thanks for coming back. Thanks very much for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Did we do something to scare you away last time? Because we really should have you here more often. This is such an important topic. I come whenever you invite me. Okay. Well, we're going to invite you more often. And uh, uh, hopefully, for those of you who didn't listen to the first couple of podcasts that we've uh, that we taped with Melanie, oh, a year, year and a half ago, uh, there's some great background information about responsible investing and the philosophy uh, that she uses in guiding the responsible investment program at RBC Global Asset Management. Uh, but Melanie, uh, let, why don't we get an update? What are what are some of the trends you're seeing emerging in this space uh, as we finish off 2021 and move into 2022? Well, I think that there's three. If I could group the trends that we're seeing, I would group them into three broad buckets. The first being employee health and safety. We are coming out of the pandemic, but we're not out of it yet. And so it's really important to see how companies are thinking about employee health and safety, the lessons they've learned throughout the pandemic, uh, what measures they're putting in place as we move forward so that we can hopefully uh, continue this economic rebuild as we come out of, out of the pandemic. So that would probably be you know, one of the most important areas. The second area is diversity and inclusion. This also continues to be a really important area of focus. We've seen a lot of global activity in this space. And what we're interested in is how companies are thinking about diversity and inclusion. What are their policies, their procedures, with their pay equity structures? How does that look? What is the oversight from the board? What are their actual statistics and measures? And that will continue, especially as we get more and more data from companies on what their diversity measures are. So I expect we'll continue to see that as a really important trend. And the final trend, and this is a big one, is the environment. Uh, We've seen... There's so many different areas that fall under this. Biodiversity is a huge issue. Nature-based solutions are becoming increasingly important. And climate change, just in general, is is really important. We just came out of COP26. Uh, In November, we saw some movement there, some commitments from the various governments globally on how they're going to move ahead on climate change issues. But it's also something we see in the papers every single day. It's affecting companies, they have opportunities, and they have big risks. And as investors, we want to understand what they are and how these companies are thinking about them. So, so Melanie, you, you obviously have a, a huge role with a, with a very large investment manager, particularly in, in a Canadian setting. Are, are you really seeing big investment managers around the world with the capital that they, they ultimately deploy on behalf of their investors are, are, are you seeing the, the kind of embracing of these ideas that, that you would like to see at this point, or is there still a lot of work that needs to be done? Well, that's a really good question. I would say, yes, we are seeing the embracing of these ideas and ESG in general. We've seen it from um, global asset managers. And in fact, we just had our fifth annual investor survey come out, and the results show that globally, ESG integration is top of mind for all investors globally, but we are seeing that as a member of numerous organizations. We're, 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 mem- we're signatories to the PRI, uh, the Responsible Investment Association of Canada. I'm the vice chair there. Uh, we're ICGN, and it's sort of an alphabet soup, and I can go through a whole bunch of different affiliations where we're a yeah. member, 
But effectively, what we're seeing is investors coming together, talking about these issues with each other. This is an area where we can work you know, quite well alongside each other to, to make change, to advocate you know, for companies to make improved ESG disclosures. We can advocate with regulators and policymakers. So certainly, there is definitely a lot of movement, a lot of momentum in that regard. Are we where we should be? I think uh, in many areas, yes, we are. I think that what we need to see going forward, though, is continued nuanced conversation. This is a very tricky area. It's an area where there can be a lot of values-based conversations, a lot of slippery slope areas that we need to be really careful and continue to have these really thoughtful, nuanced conversations. And it's certainly an area where there's a lot of room for real expertise. So, for example, I'm thinking about in the in the climate area, having scientists, having people with climate expertise is really important to these conversations. Well, you'll, you'll be glad to know that uh, this podcast is the uh, Canadian home of nuanced conversation. So you're in the right spot as a guest here. I, 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 think, I think a lot of people get bogged down when they think about responsible investing or ESG on, on the environment piece. It was really interesting as you went through your top three, uh, employee health and safety in the midst of a pandemic, obviously an interesting concern. Uh, diversity inclusion, lots of, of, of talk about that, particularly uh, over the last couple of years. It, it, this is something that, that as, a, as a, I guess, an active shareholder, you can get engaged with companies uh, and, and, and actually influence what they're doing. And can, can you talk a little bit about how that process works and, and why you believe it's so important to engage with companies? Yeah, absolutely. Well, when we are shareholders of a company, we have the opportunity to sit down with senior management, to sit down with the boards of directors and talk about how they're thinking about the various risks and opportunities that face their company, whether it's new diversity, uh, employee health and safety, or climate, any any issue, you know, ESG-related or otherwise. But it's, it's an opportunity for us to hear from them how they're thinking about this. But it's also an opportunity for us to let them know what our views are as a shareholder and whether, you know, we think that they're headed in a particular direction. Now, I will caveat that and say we are not management of the company. We don't, uh, we don't take on the role of, of, of suggesting that we know more than management does about this. But we do. We can see some trends and we can suggest really that they need to make more disclosure around what they're doing on the ESG front. And once the company makes that disclosure and we understand what they're doing with these risks and opportunities that they face, then we can make an investment decision based on that information. And so that's why engagement is so powerful. And there's often a lot of conversation about engagement or divestment, especially in the ESG space and in, in the climate change and the fossil fuel landscape. Do you engage or do you divest? And our firm position, firm-wide position, also we're firm, but it's firm-wide, <laughs> yes, yes. Is, um, is that engagement is, is more powerful. We need these companies to be part of the transition that we're going to need to see to get to a net zero economy. And so we want to be at the table with these companies talking about what their strategy is, how they're going to transition, how they're going to see us through our energy needs into a net zero economy. And so that's why we believe engagement is important. Divestment is always available. But for us, engagement is the most important first step. Yeah, and I think sometimes people think of, of, of engagement, particularly if you're looking at the, the asset management arm of, of RBC, which is the largest financial institution in Canada, that it's the big bank coming in with a stick and, and, and enforcing and, in, and, and trying to direct the company around, around how they, 
they proceed in this this area. That's not it at all. And I think you, you sort of alluded to it, but but it, it's really a conversation, right? It, it, it's a you're working with them and bring you're bringing ideas to the table. They've got ideas, and it's trying to find the best solution for everyone, including the communities that these these uh, these companies operate in. Absolutely. It's always a dialogue, and, and that's our approach. Our approach is, is, is very collegial with these companies. I mean, we're invested in them. We want them to succeed. And at the end of the day, ultimately, their financial success is in our client's best interest. So we're not going in there with a heavy stick to beat on the companies that we're invested in. We're going in there to say, how can we help make your company more profitable in the long run? How can you help us make the investment decisions we need to make so that we can act in the best interest of our clients? Yeah, it, 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 I mean, it sounds like it's the right way to do things, that, it, that, that it's, a, it's a very high-value process for everyone involved. And, and I, I know that's your philosophy. Let's, let's dig into to, to climate and climate change. That's what's been in the news lately. And, and, and sort of I think that discussion will allow to give an insight into the process that you follow with portfolio managers, for example, to make sure – that we're following through on the commitments that we make in terms of, of putting these ideas and issues front and center from an investment management perspective. What do you see are, are some of the key issues around climate change that you would like to see addressed uh, through, through putting proper metrics and, and measures in place uh, with, within your firm? Yeah, so... In 2020, I'll start out with what we started, what we rolled out in 2020, which is we first started out by rolling out our approach to climate change. And we rolled out our approach to climate change and set out how we were going to think about this. We, you know, we purchased climate data, so these are the climate metrics, and and you spoke to these a little bit, but it, they include GHG emissions, they include transition risks, physical risks facing the companies. I will say the data is not perfect on climate right now, especially in the fixed income space. We don't have emissions coverage yet um, that, that we would like to see. But it is progressing. It's progressing actually quite rapidly. So we're seeing a lot of movement on this front. But what we do is on a quarterly basis, we run uh, over 100 of our core portfolios through a climate scenario analysis. So we look at the GHG emissions, scope one, scope two, and scope three of the whole portfolio. We look at the green investments. We look at fossil fuel investments. We look at the physical risk exposure. So this is when uh, if, if temperatures were to increase to a certain threshold and there's a risk of more flooding or wildfire, what are the companies in that portfolio that might be vulnerable? We look at transition risks. These are risks about if there's carbon pricing, if there's policy reform, what companies in the portfolio could be more vulnerable to that. We look at what companies have filed patents for climate-related technologies. That's part of that analysis. We also look at temperature alignment, and what this means is if your portfolio represented the world, the globe, what, what temperature increase are we on? So your portfolio might have a 3-degree temperature alignment or a 1.5-degree temperature alignment, so that would, that's what that metric means. We run these for our investment teams quarterly, and then we sit down with the investment teams and we go through them, answer any questions. There's a lot of education around this, and the investment teams take this. And they think about it as part of their investment process and integrating this. And they also use them when they're engaging with companies to talk about what, um, what risks and opportunities that that client faces. And based on this quarterly analysis, which we continue to evolve, actually, we're adding metrics, taking metrics away. It's a continual process. What do we find helpful? What don't we find helpful? 
But last April, we released our first PCFD report, Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures. It's a long acronym. And it's yeah. on And so it talks about our portfolios overall. And it's very transparent with where we are in our portfolios. And we disclose a number of metrics in that particular uh, report. Uh, and then I have one final item that I'd, I'd really like to, uh, to mention, which is just this past October, we released our net zero ambition statement. So this is net yeah. zero carbon emissions. And what we're looking for is the companies that we're invested in to have, if climate is a material risk for them, we expect them to have a net zero target and strategy in place to get there. And if they don't, we'll engage with them on this. But we are really committed to measuring, monitoring, and disclosing these climate-related metrics in our portfolios for our clients. And, and, and again, this is not just sort of pie in the sky, put your, your finger up in the, in, in the wind. Uh, you've shown me some of the, the reporting that you use. These are detailed metrics, as you say, along a number of different fronts that are evaluating uh, individual investment mandates and broad, more broadly portfolios to make sure that we're, we're moving or you're moving in the right direction towards your objectives, correct? Absolutely. And they're, they're about 17 pages now, so we are trying to streamline them a little bit, but uh, yeah. that's the ongoing evolution that we're going through. What are the important metrics? Are there metrics that we're missing? And what does this mean for us? And so that's been, uh, it, it, it's a process. So it's a lot of, it's a lot of education. I think we're all in this journey together. And uh, the responsible investment survey that you that, that you referenced earlier, and a lot of this information is included on the RBC Global Asset Management website. Uh, I know you're doing a lot more work in terms of making sure that this information is public, uh, very easy to access, and so it's all there, is it not? It is, absolutely. And please check out our website. Our TCFD report is there, and that's your ambition statement is there, our Invest, investor survey is on the website, um, and, and we keep, you know, we keep it up to date as well with any thought pieces that are put out from the corporate governance responsible investment team or any of the investment teams on this space. So there's a lot of information there to uh, to take in. Excellent. Well, Melanie, uh, once again, we'll have to have you back more often because this is a this is a really fast moving and and interesting area, an important area uh, for, for 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 I think most investors. This is a really important factor in their investment decision. So we'll have to get you back more often to, uh, to keep us up to date on what's going on in the space. Absolutely. I'm happy to come back anytime, Dave. All right. Thanks, Melanie. Thank you.